0: I may be at this podcast, but I may be absent. I will be present at this reading, but absent. <clears throat> I'm going to continue with Book 6 uh, in Confessions 8.13. Alipius had not turned his back on the worldly path. His parents had beguiled him into pursuing, and had left before me for Rome to study law. <coughs> "'about the study of law. "'There, in an unbelievable way, and "'with unbelievable passion, "'he was drawn to the arenas "'of the gladiator fights. "'While he had shunned and detested such spectacles, "'one day he chanced upon some friends "'and fellow students coming from a dinner, "'and though he vehemently objected "'and resisted the persevered, "'they persevered as friends will "'and dragged him by force to the amphitheater.' During the season of the cruel, deadly games, uh-huh. deadly. That was entertainment back there. but well, we still have synthetic death in animated movies. we uh-huh. uh-huh. could play like uh, uh, hmm. Call of Duty there's a lot of cruel and deadly, de- deadly games. Uh-huh. It's the same thing, quote, You can drag my body to that place and keep me there, he protested. But you cannot make me look at such spectacles or accept them. I will be present but absent. Hmm. And so I shall prevail against both you and them. Still his friends dragged him to play Call of Duty on the video games. Still, his friends dragged him to the amphitheater, probably to see whether he would really manage to do as he intended. They arrived and took whatever seats they could, and soon the whole crowd was roaring with violent delight. What was the game I used to play? Oh, God, I wish I could remember. Oh. Oh. I played it quite a while, back in the 90s, I think, but Olympias shut his eyes tightly, forbidding his mind to encounter so much evil, if only he had stopped his rise of the triad, rise of the triad, rise of the triad, of the triad. but during that, Olypius his eyes tightly, forbidding his mind to encounter so much evil, if only he had stopped his ears as well, and not played Call of Duty for so long. For when during the fight a mighty cry from the whole audience struck him with vehemence and he was overcome by curiosity and certain that even if he looked he would disdain and surmount whatever it was he saw. He opened his eyes. He was struck in his soul with a deeper wound than the body of the man in the arena. Alepius fell more wretchedly than the man whose cause had caused the clamor that had entered his ears and pried open his eyes so that his soul could be smitten and cut down, a soul courageous rather than strong, but the weaker in that it had relied on itself rather than relying on you, capital U. For as soon as that's in God, you equals God, you when he's talking. This is, I'm reading Conversations with God. The early version in Confessions of Saint Augustine uh-huh. equals God. Uh-huh. Relying on you, for as soon as he beheld the blood, he drank in its savagery. He turned did not turn away, but fixed his gaze, imbibing the frenzy, blind to all, and exulted in that sinful contest, intoxicated with blood drenched delight. Uh-huh. You can actually kill a lot of people within a video game. Huh? Whether it's Call of Duty or Rise of the Triad. <laughs> he was no longer the same man he was before, but one of the crowd. <laughs> a true companion of the youth who had dragged him there by force. <laughs> oh, not by force. Please, not by force. This reading is not cre- being done by eso. force. What? Okay, what? Sube todo eso? ¿Quién eso? Sube todo eso? Oh, eso? eso? Oh, it's cold. 32. 32? 32. <laughs> un, uno, cuánto? Bien Wait, no, not piente. Treinta. Treinta y cinco. Twenty-cinco que? Twenty-cinco. cinco que? Cold, frio, frio. No, que tú subes eso. Eso, mire eso. No eso? Eso, no. No suba. No eso, y qué you can look. Eso. Tu usas, si en la cocina. Ah. I took blood-drenched delight in playing Rise of the Triad. I didn't play Call of Duty that much. That's a, more of a millennial's thing. But now all the young people play it. Uh, but they're subconsciously being trained to be drone flyers by the military. And then the military's tracking how much they play and how good they are. And then it's gonna be forcible, um... What is it? Forced, uh... What do they call that? Inscription? Drafted uh-huh, to fly drones. Uh-huh. Or they are flying drones uh, in actual battles that they think with synthetic. Uh-huh. It's cheap labor, I guess. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He was no longer the same man he was before, but one of the crowd, a true companion of the youth who had dragged him there by force. So. Uh. In brief, he, he watched, yelled, flared up, and took away with him the frenzy that would drive him to return again. Mm. Not only with the youths who had first dragged him there, but even without them, bringing others within. Mm. But your hand of supreme power and mercy raised him out of his misery. You taught him to have confidence not in himself, but in you, Yet this was much later. (laughs) We are also learning something about St. Alipius of Thagaste, a lifelong friend of St. Augustine, so we're learning about another guy, another saint, within the Confessions of St. Augustine. Uh, wait, nine, we're in Book uh, 6, uh, 9.14. This remained in his memory as a medicine for the future, as was always so. The following incident that took place when he was still a student and studying under me in Carthage. He's talking about Alepius, who's studying under... St. Olympias is studying under St. Augustine. At noon one day in the market forum, he was thinking through what he would be, declare, claiming. As students of Frederick's do, and you suffered him to be arrested as a thief by the forum guards. I believe that you are, God permitted this, for no other reason than he who in the future was to be so great. Should begin to learn that when a man is to be judged, he must not be harshly condemned by another man. In other words, like, he should not be harshly condemned. So great you can learn that when a man is judged, like he goes to court, he should not be harshly condemned by another man. He must not be harshly condemned by another man like an as in a false conviction they should not harshly condemn a man without evidence for while alipius had been pacing up and down in front of the tribunal with his writing tablet and stylus another student of rhetoric the actual thief suddenly appeared furtively carrying an axe unseen by alipius he made his way over to the re- lead railings above a row of silversmiths, silversmithies, like in as in like tradesmith or smiths, so, silversmiths. A row of silversmiths, and I began to hack away at the metal. Uh, he, he made his way over to the lead r- railings above a row of silversmithies and began to hack away at the metal. But the silversmiths, below the railings, heard the sound of hacking. They began to whisper among themselves and sent some men to seize the culprit. The student heard their voices and ran away, leaving his axe behind as he was afraid to be caught with it. Alepius, who had not seen him enter, but now saw him run off, wanted to know what was going on, and went inside. Finding the axe, he stopped and wondered why it was there. Suddenly the man who had been sent to catch the thief found him there alone, holding the axe, whose noise had aroused them to come. They now seized Olypius and dragged him away, and gathering all the tenants of the forum boasted of having caught a thief in the act, after which Olypius was brought before the judges. But this was the extent of Olypius' instruction, for immediately, Lord, you came to the aid of his innocence. I don't know if the Lord ever came to the aid of my innocence, or if he ever will after twenty-five years, (laughs) or to which you alone were witness. As the tenants of the forum were leading him either to prison or his punishment, they were met by the architect responsible for the supervision of public buildings. They were delighted to see this man, as he had always suspected them of stealing materials from the forum. Now at last they could show him who the true Malfisant was, but the architect had meant. Alepius a number of times at the house of a certain senator, to whom he often paid his respects and recognizing him. The architect immediately took him aside and asked him the reason for all this trouble. Halepius told him what had happened, and the architect paid the yelling menacing crowd to come with him. They all followed him to the house of the youth who had done the misdeed, where they found a slave boy outside the door, who was so young that he thought he could reveal the entire truth without any harm coming to his master. The boy had in fact accompanied his master to the forum, and Olypius remembered him and told the architect that he had seen him there. The architect now showed the axe to the boy and asked him whose it was, It is yours, ours. It is ours, the boy replied, and being asked further questions revealed everything. With the deed now falling on the owner of that house, the crowd that had been marching in triumph with the lepias fell into confusion. And he who would one day be the Spencer of your word and an examiner of many cases in your church went on his way, having learned and experienced much. <laughs> I guess if you have a judge who's been falsely convicted, he might <laughs> realize that he could be doing false convictions. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. Thus I had found Ilepius again in Rome, and his bond to me was so strong that he followed me to Milan to be at my side and to practice in the law, which he had studied at his parents' wish rather than his own. He had sat three times as an assessor and had done so with restraint that others wondered at while oh, Ilepius wondered even more at the those who preferred gold to honesty. Some people want money so bad that they'll sacrifice their honesty and tell lies to get more money. Who preferred gold to honesty? His character was tested not only with the enticements of gains, but also with the spurs of fear. In Rome he had been assessor to the keeper of the Italian treasury, and in those days there was a powerful senator to whom many were bound through favors and fear. This senator, as was his usual practice, uh, sought to apply his influence so that he could do what the laws did not permit. Uh, Olypius resisted. The bribe was promised, but Olypius scorned it. Threats were made, but alipius trampled on them. Everyone marveled at his extraordinary spirit, which neither sought the friendship nor feared the enmity of a man so renowned for the countless ways in which he could benefit or harm another. The judge himself, whose assessor Olypius was, did not wish to grant the judge's demands, yet refrained from rejecting them openly, shifting the accountability onto Lepius, alleging that Olypius would not consent to his granting the demand. And it was true that if the judge had acquiesced to the senator, Olypius would have resigned his post. The only thing that almost led Elipius astray was his passion for literature, which tempted him to have manuscripts copied out for him by pra- Praetorian scribes. That's <laughs> like, the only thing I really did as a crime was use the copying machine. I stole from the company by copying stuff on the copying machine. ha <laughs> ha. He copied out stuff on the copying machine. The only thing that almost led us astray was his passion for literature, my passion for books, which tempted me to have manuscripts copied out by on the copying machine. And by portraying scribes, but deliberating on the justice of this, he chose the better path, judging as more rewarding the fairness that him. prohibited such an action rather than the power that permitted it. This might be a small matter, but he is true in what is minor, is also true in what is great. There's a quote, he, this might be a small matter, but he who is true in what is minor is also true in what is great. Uh, uh, that would be Luke 16:10 can ever be empty that which came forth from the mouth of your truth Isaiah 55 11. if the man has not been true in unrighteous wealth who will grant him true which is Luke 16 11. and if you have not been true in that which belongs to another man who will grant you that which belongs to you Luke, 16, t- 12. Such was the friend who clung to me and would me in what course of life ought to be embraced. I guess he, uh, that was his friend, he's writing about Alipius. 10.17, Nabridius, N a b r i d i u s. Two, left his place at birth near Carthage, in Carthage itself, where he had spent so much time leaving behind the fine home and lands of his father's and leaving his mother, who was not to follow him. He had come to Milan for no other reason than to live with me in an ardent search for truth and wisdom. He's talking about his college roommates, I guess. Like me, he sighed, and like me, he wavered, an ardent seeker of the blessed life, and an ardent explorer of the most difficult questions. That's what we're exploring here: most difficult questions of life, um, which is appropriate during a coronavirus pandemic. Ours were three starving mouths calling out our hunger to one, to another, and turning to you, that you might give them food in due season. We were looking for wisdom in college. (laughs) Not uh, just a bunch of books. <laughs> Psalm one hundred three twenty seven Vulgate one hundred four twenty seven other translations also in Psalms one forty four fifteen Vulgate one forty five fifteen other translations. Bye, we sought the reason for our suffering and all the bitterness that, by your mercy, followed the worldly things we did. At This time, uh, it's typical for young men in their twenties to do worldly things. We did. But we encountered only darkness and turned away in pain, asking, quote, How long will this continue? We were often to ask this question, and though we ask it, we did not forsake those worldly things, for nothing certain had yet shown forth that, in forsaking these things, we could embrace. Uh-huh. Ten point oh one eight. I myself was stuck, struck, I myself was struck. When I contemplated how much time had passed since my 19th year, when I had begun to burn with a desire for wisdom, that's when I also began to desire for wisdom. That's when I, in my 19th year, when I had begun to burn with a desire for wisdom. That's exactly the same. Planning to abandon all the vain hopes and false foolishness of inane desires. Mm. At that point, I didn't smoke any pot, I didn't drink alcohol, and became a vegetarian, and was reading Spirit, the Bhagavad Gita. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And here I was now in my thirtieth year, still stuck fast in the same mire. Hungering to enjoy the fleeting things of the present That were dissipating me While well, I said to myself Quote, tomorrow I shall find that wisdom It will appear before me And I shall grasp it Though fastest will arrive and explain everything Oh, great academic philosophers can really Nothing be determined for certain About how an ordered life is to be lived Turns out that the main thing is, uh from Zen or anything, it's how an how ordered life is to be lived. Like, do you get up at 3 a.m. and meditate until 9 a.m.? <coughs> do you then play tennis or volleyball? Or do you go to bed at 8 o'clock at night? How an ordered life is to be lived. But no, let us seek with greater diligence and let us not despair. Things in the holy writ. No longer seem absurd as they once did, and can be understood differently in a virtuous way. I will take my stand where, as a child, my parents placed me. Till the near clear truth be discovered, but where is the truth to be sought? Ambrose has no time. We have no time to read. (coughs) See, that's the problem. If you don't, at that time. There's so many things going on in college that you may not have time to read. Uh But you could have time to read when you get old. But then your eyes go bad. Uh So, where are we even to find the books? When and from where are we to obtain them? From whom are we to borrow them? Time must be allotted in certain hours assigned for the health of our soul. Certain hours a sign for the health of our soul a great hope has arisen the true faith does not teach what what we have taught it thought it taught and had vainly accused it of teaching its experts consider it a sin to believe that God is bounded by the shape of a human body why do we hesitate to knock at the door that will open out to all else the door is he talking about? Knocking on. Huh? Where's the door? Matthew 7, 7. Why do we hesitate to knock at the door? will open out to all else. Our pupils take up our mornings, but what do we do for the rest of the day? That's my main question, because I... Usually start the day with meditation, but the highest priority goes first, without question. So meditation comes, and then comes uh, exercise, like in tennis or volleyball. Our pupils take up our mornings, but what do we do for the rest of the day? Hmm. I do a podcast in the morning after meditation. Why not dedicate the time to this? To podcasting. Or what? To reading a book. You can read a book, I guess. Or usually do shopping and cooking and eating. Like a commoner. Eat. Most people just work and eat. But when would we, then, pay our respects to exalted friends whose favors we seek? When would we prepare what our pupils pay us for? When would we restore ourselves, relaxing our minds from the strain of worry? Hmm. I don't know. That's the question. What do we do? But the rest of the day, what do you do after? Uh, you become like an ordinary man after meditation and exercise. And we do well. at night. time you can return at sunset. You can return to meditation. Uh-huh. Afternoons are kind of like a flexible. I guess go out and. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You do errands. So. I don't know what you do. That's the question we're raising. <laughs> huh. You could do selfless service. Oh, I don't like that. So, But once you meditate really a lot, you learn to like it. So, because you don't have a self anymore. And after all, these are poems of annihilation. uh uh-huh. This is under the class of poems of annihilation. So, if you meditate long enough, you're no longer selfish because you don't actually have a self.